Romans chapter 8. We're going to be picking it up in verse 23. Um, He's going to tell us more about our relationship with God through the Holy Spirit and the power of God in our lives to give us strength against the enemy. Today's message is titled, Our Hope. As we resume, chapter 8, verse 23, we, we left off with Paul explaining how creation was eagerly waiting for the children of God to be revealed. He writes how creation groans with labor and birth pangs. He wrote that 2,000 years ago. Where we can hear the groaning a lot louder now. It's like when a a woman is going to give birth. Yes, women give birth. And a woman is going to give birth. Um, There's that time before she uh, actually gives birth, that the labor time where she is now feeling the child coming. She knows that the time is short. And she's getting ready to give birth to this child. Although for 2,000 years there have been birth pangs, we see them culminating now in our world today. We're watching what's going on and we can see how everything is accelerating uh, to a point where it was almost unexpected what we're seeing today. I couldn't have predicted what we're seeing in our world today five years ago, ten years ago. And now we're seeing this happen very rapidly. It's almost startling. It's almost like I turn on the news and say, what can possibly happen next? You know, what? what is it? And I'm not surprised anymore. Now I've got to the point where I'm not surprised. My parents, when I was growing up, um, you know, at 12 years old, they pretty much knew we've got a troubled child here. And by 14, things started going downhill real quick. By 16, it was pretty bad. But they weren't getting surprised anymore. Now it's just like, oh, that's the new thing. That's what he's going to do. But when I reached 19 and gave my life to Jesus Christ, it was a game changer. Of course, they thought, oh, this is something new. Let's see how long this lasts. And uh, so I'm 64 now. You do the math. And... Uh, But we're seeing it going on in the world right now. And we're seeing how the world is now accelerating and we're getting almost um, apathetic about it. Okay, well, this is what we can expect. This is how things are going to happen. These are the birth pangs that we're seeing. Paul now is going to make this personal in verse 23, he writes, not only that, 
But we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. So here, Paul is talking about first fruits. He begins with first fruits. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. What are the first fruits? Well, that's like when a farmer is going to harvest his crop. At harvest time, he takes part of that crop and he offers it to the Lord. He gives that first part to the Lord. He doesn't give the part on the edges of the field that are all bent over and looking nasty. He's not giving, you know, the leftovers, the stuff that nobody else would want. Oh, look at all this, Lord. I'm giving you all this. You know, that's that's Cain's offering, right? It, it's not a real offering. But the first fruits are the best of what is there. And that's what's offered to the Lord. And then the farmer, the, the one that's harvesting, he and his family get to celebrate by having the rest of it for their family. And they're blessed by that. In our own lives, we give first fruits to the Lord when we tithe. That's part of what tithes are. They're the first fruits that go to the Lord. They come into the church and they aren't part of salaries and and all of that, but they are part of paying for all this because we wouldn't have a church otherwise. We'd be meeting out in the heat and um, nobody wants that. But God blesses us with this facility and uh, and he has blessed us greatly with being able to use the finances to do things that would bless him, that would glorify him. And so we are grateful, but it's also part of the opportunity to give of your first fruits for the work of God. We don't talk a lot about money here. We don't take offerings or anything like that. We have a box and some people donate online and and that's all great. But it's between you and God. It's what you have purpose in your heart. That farmer, when he gives of the first fruit, it's between him. If he's going to give all the garbage stuff from the edge of the field and you know, then give that to God, Um, How does he expect to be blessed? More garbage? I don't know. But I just know that God honors people that are faithful in the few things. Because then they're faithful in much. And he blesses them uh, with that. So we see the first fruits are of the Spirit. We each have the first fruits of the Spirit living within us. You have no idea of what's coming in the future except for the little glimpses we get of the first fruits that we have right now. 
There are moments in your relationship and your walk with the Lord where you just experience that moment where God brings peace. He brings comfort. He brings joy into our lives. And and it's at a time when we need it. At a time when we're struggling. At a time when we, we don't have peace. And then all of a sudden, God brings peace to us through his Holy Spirit. And I know that many of us know, I know that all of us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and have received his Holy Spirit into your life, you've experienced this. Maybe not at the moment that you receive Jesus Christ. Maybe it wasn't this overwhelming experience and you saw lights and, you know, a halo appeared or anything. You know, that isn't what being saved is about. It's not about outward manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It's about an inward manifestation of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives. And the more we grow close to him through his word, through prayer, the more we sense the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The more we are sensitive to what God is doing. And it, and it writes now about how Paul writes, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting the adoption, the redemption of our body. Excuse me. We're eagerly waiting to get out of these tents into the new tent, the new body, the new home that he's, you know, in in John chapter uh, 14, when Jesus says he's going to prepare a place for us, I believe this is the place he's preparing, the new body. He's not up there because he's a carpenter working on some houses, you know, giving, giving us a place to live. I think that he's preparing our new bodies, for when we leave this earth and have this, we're looking forward to that, are we not? Amen. We're talking about groaning here. I know many of you know what I'm talking about. Because when you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is groan. <laughs> oh, I got to get up out. All right. Oh. And, and that's, I believe, I really do believe, that's part of the groaning. You know, it's funny when I get sick, Cheryl hears the groan. She knows. She knows how sick I am. She knows if I'm faking it. She she knows. And and she comes along and, and the Holy Spirit uses her to minister to me. Oh, chicken soup, baby. You know, and and she blesses me because the Holy Spirit gives her a sense of what I need. And she's there uh, to help. There are many times where we have experiences where our bodies are groaning. Sometimes it's working out, you know. And, you know, I'm on that total gym, working out, stretching and everything. And I'm, you know, making noise. And I'm thinking, okay. You know, that's good. The Holy Spirit is saying, Lord, tell him to stop. He's going to kill himself here. And I don't, I don't know if that's what those groans are about. 
You know, many people think this is speaking in tongues. That's what the groans are speaking about, speaking in tongues. It very well could be also, and if you speak in tongues, you don't need to know what the Holy Spirit is saying. Uh, you just need to um, receive what the Holy Spirit is um, saying. So, you know, we are looking forward to the adoption where we leave these bodies and we go into our destination. Our hope is in that destination. You see, we're in the process of uh, adoption. We just haven't, the paper has been signed. We haven't been picked up yet. That's what we're waiting on. We're, We're waiting to be picked up. You know, people that live as orphans or in foster homes and they're moving around, they are just hoping for something better than where they are at that time. And then if they're adopted and they get into a good family, it's just sweet. It's such a blessing to them. We have been adopted by the God of all creation. That's better than being adopted like by Bill Gates, Elon Musk. You know, oh, they can, they can adopt me. I'm 64, but hey, go ahead, adopt me. You know, you know what? It's not going to make my life better. It may make it more comfortable here on earth, but it's not going to make my life better because I've been adopted by the... Holy Spirit of God living inside of me. The Lord has adopted me. I'm now in the family and I'm just waiting to be picked up. And I can't imagine what it's going to be like. I'm going from this into eternity. Uh, I can't imagine. It's like a a child going from one of those, uh, you know, orphanages into a mansion being adopted, having servants serving them, having you know, anything they want to wear, it's right there in their closet and they and they have all of that they never could fathom that when they were in that position that they were in in the orphanage but then they're welcomed into the mansion that's what it's going to be like for us, except Anything that you can imagine in your mind of what it's going to be like, you haven't even scratched the surface. You can't even imagine, because we're very limited by the tangible, by the physical. We're very limited in what we understand and know and experience. So heaven, it's off the charts. There's nothing that we can compare it to because it's going to be so much better. We're going to be children of God living in heaven. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. He's doing it. He's going to complete it. It's going to be done. It's a, it's a done deal. This isn't something that 
oh man, I hope I make it. When we become believers and receive Jesus Christ and, and have his Holy Spirit living, we made it. It's a done deal. So as children of the living God, not only do we have new bodies, we're going to have a new location, a new home, a new nationality. A, it's all going to be new. You don't think you deserve it? You're right. None of us do. And that's what grace is all about. Oh, man, looking forward to it. Verse 24. For we were saved in this hope. That's our, our salvation was saved. And this is the hope that we have when we were saved. Because of this. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what does one still hope for when he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. I, I have no idea. If, if I saw heaven, if I got a glimpse of heaven, it would probably make me frustrated that I'm not there now. Right? I was like, why, why wait, Lord? Look, I'm perfect now. Just take me. Right? You ever feel that way? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I don't want to sit around here on this dirt ball going around the sun. Just take, sometimes it feels like we're on the sun. And I just, I just want to be in heaven. I don't think that there's going to be air conditioning in heaven. No need for it. Uh, you know, I, the things that I think of are stupid. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, but it's just like, you know, these are the things that I think are important. Well, living here in Arizona, they are. Air conditioning is very, very important. But uh, it's not in light of what heaven is going to be like and, and what God has in store uh, for us. So faith plays a big part in our hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, our faith, is in the hope of what is to come. That's what our faith is. And it, it, it is important for us to have. Faith is meaning, I don't see it, but I believe it. And that takes time to develop sometimes. It's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing process that we go through in our lives as we grow closer and closer with the Lord. So we continue our struggle here on earth, but we're looking forward to the day when we won't have to. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the, what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so here the Spirit is working on our behalf. He is interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for us. Because we need it. We don't know 
even sometimes what we should pray. I get that way where, you know, I know people sometimes give me the laundry list of things to pray for. Well, this person needs this, 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 and this, and this. And I'm like, okay, I will pray for them. But I don't take their laundry laundry list and go to the Lord and say, okay, here, this person, here's their social security number, here's what they need. See, the Lord already knows before that person even told me that there was a prayer need. The Lord already knew. And so when I pray, it's like, Lord, you know better what that person needs than I do. I can pray this whole laundry list, but I may be praying for things that can be harmful to that person if the Lord fulfills that. I I used to pray for a motorcycle. <laughs> and uh, you know, there must have been people praying against it. I actually had a motorcycle for a while there. Why would you have a motorcycle in Arizona in the summer? It was my only mode of transportation driving on the highway in a motorcycle at 80 miles an hour. It's like like you're in an oven with a crock pot on your head on simmer. And, and you know, why would you do that? Why, why would you persecute yourself like that? But, you know what, I prayed for that and I got it. <laughs> and I r- resented it every summer. You know, I regretted that I got what I prayed for. So, you know, Lord's kind of funny that way. Kept me alive to tell that joke. So, here we are listening to what the Lord is doing in our hearts, in our spirit. We can sense what the Lord is doing. We're hoping that we are prepared when he returns. He says we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be looking for his return. And we should be ready for his return. He's going to return at a time that's unexpected. Well, then it can't be today because I expect him to return today. You know, things are that crazy. But I know what he means when he says that. I understand It's a time maybe where so many people have given up hope that they're not expecting him to come. The Jews back in the first century gave up hope on Jesus coming. Well, they didn't call him Jesus. He was the Messiah, the Savior. They gave up hope on him coming. They didn't believe he was going to come, especially after the Romans came and, and conquered them and and then took them into slavery, oppressed them. And then they weren't really slaves, but they didn't have freedom to execute their own laws. They weren't allowed to put people to death like the Bible said you know, stoning and so on and so forth for their laws. They had to go through Rome. And that's called the scepter of authority. And they believed that the scepter had been taken from them. They believed that they had lost their authority. And in the Old Testament, it says that 
the Messiah was going to come before the scepter was taken from them. And so they thought, that's it. He's not coming. And they lost all hope. Little did they know, he was born. He was alive. And he he was going to prove himself. He was still a little young. But he was going to prove himself. Today, many people have given up hope because they don't see the hand of God. But we see the hand of God because he's in each one of our lives personally. God has shown himself and proved himself to us. So when we're hurting, we go to the Spirit. And the Spirit will never do anything outside the will of God that will hurt. It says that he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit will never have you do something against the will of God, outside the will of God. It will always be according to the will of God. So listen to the Spirit. If you ever say, well, should I do what the Spirit is telling me or what I want to do? Then you know. Because if it's different than what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do, then it's not in the will of God. And it's pretty easy to figure that one out. Now he he gives us a great promise in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. Oh, it's a verse that we all love. We're the called of God. And all things are going to be good. Everything's good. We're just going to have good all the time. Have you ever felt like, hold on, that's not my life. How I don't see that all things are working for good. I don't have good all the time. Well, that's not what it's saying. It's saying that all things work together for good. So even the bad things, even the trials, the tribulations that we go through, they work for good. If it's within the will of God, if it's part of what God is doing, sometimes it isn't. Sometimes the trials and tribulations are because we're stupid. We do stupid things and we're suffering the consequences of our actions. But when we are in the will of God and we're experiencing trials and tribulations and and things that the world goes through, sickness, you know, when, when we have health issues, that's just something that the whole world goes through. So that isn't something that is, oh, I've done something wrong. God is punishing me. No, it's just part of being in these bodies. Looking forward to the new body. No sickness. No more worried about that. I don't even have to wear antiperspirant. (laughs) I know some of you are saying you should wear more. Anyway, here is the good news. All things are going to work together when we are living for the Lord, when we're listening to the Lord, sensitive to the Spirit. What are some of the, the, the ways that we can improve our odds? How can we get ourselves in a situation where 
we are receiving those good things. And I believe there's two main ways to do that. One is to read the scriptures. And the scripture then tells us, sometimes we don't even understand what we read. We read it. Doesn't make much sense to us. It doesn't matter if it makes much sense here. Because what's important is that it's here. It's that it's in our heart. That we're living the word. It, it doesn't matter whether we understand it because there'll be a time when we need to understand it and then the Spirit will reveal it to us. Then the Spirit will say, Oh yeah, do you remember this? Oh, now I understand. And so reading the word, the second part is prayer. You know, uh, Paul says, pray without ceasing. And that's hard to do, you know, because the game's on in a few hours and I, I'm going to watch the game. Well, when I'm watching the game, I'm in more prayer than, um, than when I'm not uh, because my team needs prayer. But you can pray about everything. I look sometimes and I watch these guys after they hit a home run and stuff like that and they're pointing up and they're, you know, and they're giving. I'm like, Lord, I pray that they have an impact on that team. That the guys that don't know you will somehow get a glimpse of you because of how that guy acts in the clubhouse the things he talks about. You know, I know there are a few um, devout Christians on the Diamondbacks, you know, and and so it's kind of cool to see what kind of impact are they having in that clubhouse. And, and, uh, you know, it's good that we can pray for just about anything. Anything. And, And when I'm driving, man, I should be praying more. Because maybe everyone will get out of my way. Maybe I won't get so frustrated when I drive. You see, if I'm praying for people to get out of my way, that's a stupid prayer. But if I'm praying not to be frustrated, that's a prayer that God would honor. If if I pray, Lord... You know, let me be at so much peace that I'm going to let that guy over. I know he wants to cut me off. I'm going to let him over. He's not cutting me off now. I just let him over. And I have peace with that. That's how we can pray. We can see needs all around us. Homeless people that are in the street. You know, that that are here. Some of them are there because they want to be there. They don't want to be part of society. We can still pray for them. We can still pray that even in the place that they're in, God will show himself. And I don't know how that is sometimes. I just just don't go up opening my wallet and giving them money, but I know that God may want me to give them food one day. And we have. You know, God may want me just to throw a water bottle at him. You know, not throw it at him, but hand them a water bottle. And, you know, maybe that's what God, I don't know. But what I know is that they are just important to God as we are. 
And so we need to be doing uh, the work of God. That's why all things work together for good for those that love God, those who are the called according to his purpose in verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. I'm not going to go into predestination because that's too big for my head. I'll tell you why. He's God. I don't understand everything that God does, everything that God knows, everything that God has done. I don't understand it all. But I believe it. When I get into my car, I don't know who created everything, who built that fender, who put the alternator together, who... I don't know who was responsible for building my car, but when I get in and I push the button and it starts, I'm just confident that I'm going to be able to drive wherever I'm going to go. And most of the time it's true. I get to go where I want to go and how, because I just put my faith in that car to do what it was supposed to do. I didn't have to know every detail of how that car was made. And the same way with creation. God gave us plenty of information for us to understand. But still, we just scratching the surface of what really took place and what continues to take place. It says he holds all things together. Uh, he's the atomic glue of creation. He holds it all together. He makes it all last. I, I don't understand. How come the Israelites, they left Egypt and wandered in the desert 40 years without their shoes wearing out? You know, without their clothing. How could they do that? God. There are things that are outside of our understanding, our scientific knowledge that God is able to do. And I believe that that's what he does. Predestined? Well, that means he he knew what was going to happen because he's not in our timeline. He doesn't exist in our time. So he predestined knowing, it says, that He predestined us to be conformed to his son. Now, is that for the whole world? Well, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I believe the offer is open to everyone but he predestined the ones in his foreknowledge he predestined us to first of all he called us then he justified us what is justified justified means it's just as if we didn't sin completely wiped out sin so he called us he justified us and then when he justified us he glorified us hold on 
It said glorified. It's past tense. Do I look glorified to you? You know, I look pretty good because I cleaned up real well today. Cheryl usually does my eyebrows before service, but, you know, I, I did them myself this morning, and I managed. But I'm not glorified. This isn't my glorified body. But it's past tense. And so these are the things that were done in the heart and mind of God. These things are a done deal. They're fulfilled. And so our hope is in, Lord, come soon so I can experience that. I appreciate what you're doing, Lord, but let me experience those things so that I can experience that now. Verse 31, then, uh, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's another one of those things where it's hard for us to wrap our minds around the fact that no one can compete with God. No one. The angels, the devils, the demons, they're, they're created beings. We were humans. We're created beings also. You know, Adam and Eve were created and we just are propagated from the line of Adam and Eve. Uh, now, there are spiritual beings out there. This is a spiritual warfare that we're in. And, uh, you know, so there's going to be battles. There are going to be rough times in this spiritual warfare. You know, but we are not overcome by the enemy because our enemy has already lost the war at the cross. And so I don't feel like it. I don't feel all the time like I'm victorious, like I'm this conqueror, like I'm going to be able to do better than whatever else is coming at me. I, I Sometimes I feel defeated. Have you ever felt defeated? No, really. Hold on. Have you ever felt defeated? Yes. Yeah, all of us have. At some point or another, we've just felt that way, you know. That's because we're human and we have feelings. and But it doesn't change who God is and what he has done. It doesn't change the fact that everything has been won at the cross. The battle has been won. The enemy is defeated. It's just a matter of playing out the rest of the battle playing out the rest of what it's going to take. But we already know. We already have the whole story. It's all given to us. It's right here for us to believe. So he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He gave the greatest gift of all, his son to die for us so that we can live 
with him forever. That's the greatest gift there is. If he gave us that gift, how will he not give us anything else that we need? Freely, he will give to us everything we need to achieve his purposes. You know, and and there are a lot of people that are out there listening to pastors teach, you know, the health and wealth thing, and all you have to do is ask, and it's going to be bestowed upon you, and so on and so forth. Go to Africa and, and teach that. You know, go to some of the, go to Yemen and teach that. You're going to have a very hard time convincing people about the health and wealth there. But here, in the United States, oh, there's a lot of people that buy into it. You know, I I go online and I I buy, you know, different vitamins that are going to make you feel so much better and stuff like that. And, and none of them work. <laughs> none of them. N- nothing, nothing makes me feel better. So I stop taking them all. I still don't feel better. <laughs> But you know what? It, it's because it's not about medicine. It's not about vitamins. It's not about, uh, it's probably about my diet. But the fact of the matter is that we're living in these human bodies that are decaying. We're, we're winding down. And the only way it's going to get better is when Jesus comes and fixes all things we don't have to be hoping for things to be better here because our hope is in being there. That's where our end goal is. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? who also makes intercession for us. Isn't that great? Uh, don't you get hopeful hearing that Jesus is making intercession for us? You see, if anyone knows what we need, it's Jesus. Right? And, and so, he's there praying for us. And I, you know, it, it's like, okay, can you pray more, Jesus? Please, because... I just feel like maybe the prayers are going unanswered. No, they're going answered. I just am not sensitive to what God is doing. We all miss out sometimes on the things that God is actually doing in our lives. In people around us, in, in, in events that are taking place in our lives, sometimes we miss the hand of God in those things because we're too focused on the trial or tribulation or struggle that we're going through. And we miss out on how God is using that to bless us, uh, to prepare us. There's nobody who can condemn us because Christ died for us. And the next verse builds on that. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or persecution or famine or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Who can separate us from the love of God? No one. It's impossible for us to be separated. And 
Paul is writing this. Paul is the one who experienced all of those things. He experienced tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril. He was even beheaded. So that may have been with a sword. So he experienced all of those things. But the question is, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's impossible to be separated once we are joined. This is going back to once saved, always saved. I know there are people that struggle with that. But that is just another confirmation to me. No one can separate us. No one can take us from the palm of his hand. You might want to jump out once in a while, but no one can take us from the palm of his hand. No one can separate us from him. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. For, you know, as I'm reading that, I'm thinking to myself, I, 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 I read, um, um, a shepherd's look at Psalm 23 and, and great book and just the sheep prepared for the slaughter. They don't fight. They just go. Just like Jesus was prepared to go. He was, that's what his whole life was prepared for. That moment when he went to the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Wow. We are conquerors. Have you ever not felt like a conqueror? Do you wake up in the morning and go to the mirror after you brush? Because before you brush, just, but after you brush, you feel like, oh, I can take on the world. No, I don't feel like that. I still feel like, man, I hope I don't disappoint today. Not God, because God is never disappointed. I hope I don't disappoint my family, my co-workers, you know, my loved ones. God bless you. I hope that I do what's best, meaning that I'm following God's will, because I know that's what's best. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our hope is confirmed in everything that we read today. That's where our hope is in these things we close considering what we were promised the spirit is interceding on our behalf that's a promise the spirit is doing that right now as we're sitting here you may be thinking about the lunch about lunch the the spirit is caring about other things that are going to be happening and he's interceding on our behalf all things are going to work out for the good for those who love 
the Lord for those who are called according to his purposes. God predestined us. He called us. He justified us. And he glorified us. All past tense. It's a done deal. It's already written. And we should never worry about whoever comes against us because God is for us. There's no one who could come against us and win. Because there's no one that can win against God. There's no one that can defeat God. So we're in good hands. Even if our bodies die, Jesus has already overcome death. And because of that, we have too. Sometimes we don't feel that way. But once again, that's because we're still in the flesh. But that first moment, that first moment, that twinkling of an eye when we're changed, I can't imagine what that's going to be like. I can't even fathom for a moment of what it will be like to go from being in this flesh and being living in this world, caring about the things of the world, and all of a sudden being changed, being transformed. It's just an awesome thing to think about. Lord, come quickly. And finally, we're encouraged with the knowledge that we can never be separated from the love of God. Isn't that good news? No matter what, we can never be separated from his love. There are lots of promises in our scripture today. And we're we're dwelling on those promises. And when we do, it brings peace to our lives. It encourages our hope in what God has promise to us. So keep reading your Bible, keep praying, and then share that joy. Sometimes you can share it just by being in someone's presence that needs to hear some good news or just needs a friend. And sometimes you share it through the scriptures or through prayer, through love. But share it because there's plenty of hope to go around and there are plenty of people that need it. Amen.